I want to tell everyone who helped out with the picnic who went. I know you guys had a blast, especially the ladies in the kitchen who are like us. Yeah. So I heard they kept y'all on a budget, a food budget. You didn't eat too much. And I know a lot of y'all were afraid to go in there because you kept coming to get me. So, but really, I want to say thank you for coming out. You see that? One thing about that slide, isn't it amazing how we look like heaven? That's what we talk about, reaching people and building community. And that's how we little things, picnics and all those things. And we come together and have a great time. I love our chef. Sit. He told me he's going to buy me one of those hats. And I'm going to preach with one of those hats on. I need me a cowboy hat. I'm still working on the boot thing, but, you know, New Yorkers don't wear boots. But anyway, I want to just say thank you. It was an amazing time. Look forward to doing more of that. Our next big gathering will be our Thanksgiving gathering. We're going to have a big Thanksgiving fe- uh, feast on the 14th of November or the 7th. Anyway, in November. And we're going to have it all around. We're going to have anyone who's cultural. We want some African food. We want all type of food to come in, have a great time. And we're going to party back on the other side of the building. So look for that coming out right before our Thanksgiving starts. So I'm really excited. So, um, again, we're starting a new series today. And today um, we kick off a series called Six. 633. And what we're going to do is spend the next three to four weeks going through the book of Matthew chapter 6. You know about the book of Matthew chapter 6. It talks about some things in finances, but I looked at a scripture in the, in the very beginning of, in the, in the book of 1 uh, Corinthians about before people will give, their, give anything, they gave their heart first. Paul said before the Macedonians gave money, they gave their hearts first. And what we're going to talk about from this next few weeks is your heart. And I love about in Matthew 6, because you see some words in here. It talks about king and a kingdom. A king and a kingdom. If you go in the beginning, it teaches you about what a kingdom person does, how they handle anger, how they handle offenses, how they handle murder. All those things of a king kingdom kids. It says Jesus is the king and we are his subjects in the kingdom of God. And the the part I'm going to talk about today is how do kingdom people live? This next three weeks, how do kingdom people live? Because we live differently from a lot of people. We should, someone should see the distinction between us and those who are not in the kingdom of God. So when we go here, we're going to talk about uh, finances, we're going to talk about our hearts, but really how we can hone God in that last, um, the last worship song, putting Jesus at the center. Because sometimes we think Jesus is just an app. That whenever you need him, you punch the button and he shows up. Versus he is the system on which your app appears. So I love cell phones, and we don't want you to start thinking that Jesus is just something you add on to an app. You download the app, and I use him through Monday through Friday, or I'm using him every other week. We want him to be your operating system. And kingdom people have an operating system. It's called the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25 to 34. You can, it's on the screen if you have your smartphone or if you have your Bibles. Go ahead and pull those out. This is Jesus talking. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what will you drink? 
Know about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and you're buying more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you over you a little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble, and everyone say, amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you in these moments that we have for revelation, God. Help us to unpack this word, unpack this scripture, and fit into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me give you a backdrop on this. Okay, if you know about the book of Matthew, you know about the, the gospel, the gospels and, and four different versions. And the book of Matthew is written to the audience of Jews. And you see, he's talking about the king, the coming king, which is Christ, and kingdom people, which is his people, which is us. So you'll see that distinction. Now, we're in the middle of a, of a sermon, what they call the Sermon on the Mount which starts from chapter 5 all the way through 7. Now, give yourself a picture. Jesus is sitting on a mountain, and he's speaking to all the people about what kingdom people do. So if you're going to be in my kingdom, and I know he was telling them one thing because he said this was a key phrase in all of the Sermon on the Mount. You heard it said, but now I say. You've heard it said, but now I say. What he's saying, you need to de-learn what you learn and relearn kingdom principles. You heard it said, but I say about anger. You've heard it said about divorce, but I say. And he goes for two chapters. And then you stick chapter six in the middle of that. And it talks about possessions and him. How we can live our lives fully devoted to Christ Jesus and not be caught up with stuff or things, especially in this part. Because you see the key word here, do not be anxious. How many know this is the perfect time to preach this word, considering what's going on in the nation today? And when he talks about that, he puts it in a, in, a, in a fashion of this is a commandment. He's commanding us not to be anxious. He's commanding us not to worry, which means he's saying this. That means you have, whenever I give you a command, I can enable you to get it done. But he's saying this, since I give you a command, that means you have control of yourself and how you deal with circumstances in your life. Whenever you hear, I can't control myself, that's a lie. He doesn't give a command that we cannot meet it. And one thing about his commandments, there are enablements. They will enable us to get it done. So he says, I command you not to worry. 
Now, the audience that he's talking to in this population lived of day-to-day wages. They worked that day. They received their pay that day. So they can only believe God for the next day or that same day. And they have to work tomorrow to receive wages. They didn't have pension plans. They didn't have Social Security. They had that day. So when he was speaking to them, they would have fear about what do we do next if I lose my job because I don't get to feed my family except for what I receive today. So they had to put their total trust in Christ. And you know, that doesn't change for us today as we go unpack this. A couple other things. Three times in verse 25, 31, and 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. Now, the Greek translation means take no thought, which means, literally means to be drawn in different directions. Whenever you walk in anxiety or worry, you think one way and you start thinking another way and you're in disarray. You're going in different directions. You don't know which way to go. Which way do we go? I don't know because fear comes upon you. You thought the right thing, but I got to go over here because I'm not sure. And he's saying in that, in that language, don't, take no, don't think about anxiety because it will drive you all over the place. You have to trust one thing and walk with it regardless of what it looks like. So he talks about anxiety in that area. The other word is in there, worry, which is, you can translate worry, which comes from the annual Saxon word meaning to choke or to strangle. To choke or to strangle and be disarray. That's why you call it anxiety attacks. One thing I learned in the military about trust and obedience and sticking with it. We would go out in the field. In fact, I was an instructor, so I had to go out in the field. I had to teach aircrew how to survive in case of emergency out in the woods. Now, here is a New York City boy in the woods. That really worked. Well, we would go to a place up in Washington State, survival school. And they would, now, I'm, now I'm, I'm dating myself because I know you don't know what I'm talking about when I say the word compass. Does anybody use a compass anymore? It's all GPS, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm old. So, in one of our exercises, they teach you how to live day to day. You build your own bed for that night. Where were you going to sleep? You caught your own food. They, they gave you something in the beginning. They said, we're going to give you a week's worth of uh, beef jerky. We cleaned that out in an hour. So we had to, whatever we got, we caught, we ate. So they did an exercise with a compass. And they knew this. They're going to take you to the roughest terrain, one, for you to trust your compass, and they're going to put you with some people. But the other thing, they have to trust you. So they'll get you this compass pointing due north, and you take off. And they already know there's a swamp over here. They already know there's bushes everywhere, and they want you to walk through it and believe that your compass is right because you can go around, but you'll get lost. And as you're going, you're starting, your faith is starting. Is this thing really working? And then you got the people behind you. He don't know what he's doing. He don't know what he's doing. So you're getting nervous. Anxiety is starting to come up. You're like, hurry up. And the instructors are laughing. 
Because they picked the place you're supposed to walk through. They know that it's going to be hazardous. They were testing to make sure that we will have full confidence in the direction that they put in the, the compass is showing. And sometimes when we walk with God and we're going in the direction he calls us to walk in, it's scary. And you're saying, God, are you working? Because this is way off. And then you have someone behind you. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And I'm telling you, it's just tremendously scary. And you're getting worried. Am I lost? And they're laughing. You're not lost. They pick it on purpose. We learn how to trust in any condition of the instrument they gave us. Guys, guys, today, we got to learn to trust the Lord in any condition. Because right now, you can feel like it's scary to be walking. But now God is calling us to really look at our instrument, which is the Bible. Seek his face in his direction, in his will. And it might look scary, but it's the safest place to be. Because if we would have went off the compass, we would have, if we got lost, guess what they would do to us? Right, Dan? They make you go back. And you didn't get it, so let's try it all over again. So you have times that you're choking and strangling. You're like, is this thing working? I don't know. And you have someone in your ear, man, that ain't working, dude. You can't work. Dude, I think you're off. I think you're off. That's a way to you get on the, on the point. And they did it on purpose by design to help us to trust. I think God's doing that to us today, to help us to trust. Because when you look at this passage, they're talking about things. Things will, will strip us up. The lack of things, because we live in a culture where whatever you have, you're a success. Whatever you don't have, you're a failure. And we look at the visible, external things versus the eternal things. And there's pressure on that. If you don't drive the right car, you don't wear the right clothes, you work so hard trying to make something up or try to get something, and then you go in debt. And then you're strangling and you're choking. And you're working for your stuff. You're not working for the joy of the Lord. One thing John Mason says, he says, fear and worry is like interest paid in advance on something you may never own. Because it makes you go all the way out when you're worrying. It makes you just go off the deep end. And you I can't breathe. I don't know which way to go. Because all worry is is simply the triumph of fear over faith. That's all worry is. It's triumph of fear over your faith. And it'll hurt you. When I was looking at the scripture, I saw a couple things. That as Jesus was giving them scenarios, he was saying the one word for that I want you all to get. The word care. So I went to where one of the guys who was with Jesus when he was on the Mount um, preaching in the Bible was Peter. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all, 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. So you see three things I saw. One thing I saw is I love when Jesus depicts our heavenly father. How many know fathers give, fathers love, fathers care? Now, if you didn't have an earthly father done, you have a heavenly father that does that now. 
But there's three things I saw when I go through this passage. Number one, he cares about our life. Number two, he cares about our lifestyle. And number three, he cares about our future. When you unpack this, the first one is he cares about our life. And that's verses 25 through 30. And he goes through all the different. Let's reread that together. Put that up for me, sir. Sorry if I, if I jammed you up a little bit. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor your body, what you do, will put on. Is not life more than food and body, more than clothing? Next one. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? He gives you a picture. Now, remember, I said Jesus is sitting on a mountain, and he's, he's teaching. And he shows them the birds. And he says this. He basically is the author of all life. And whatever God authors, he takes care of. Because he takes care of what he makes. We are created by God. He's going to take care of us. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? A span, span of life, 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the ladies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, and Solomon was a bad dressing dude. That brother can dress. If you look at the Bible, you can unpack it. He put on some robes out beyond all robes, and all Jesus is saying, basically, the lilies are more that more glorious in a man, like one of these. But God so clothed the grass in the field, which is today alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will not he much more clothe you, O oh, you little faith? Now, when you look at the word little faith, he's not hammering them. He's actually coming alongside encouraging them about having more faith like him. Greatest thing about it is, you see, he talks about the birds. Now, we live in a culture today where we think animals are more important than people. We'd rather abort babies than have, kill a dog. Come on now. We got greater commercials that make you cry from the ASPCA than you do for abortion. And the birds, we got, you live in Texas, they're back. I don't think they ever left. Who's feeding them? He said, they're not that valuable. You are his crowning glory. He says, we are, we are the crown. We are the crown crowning point of creation, his people. That's how valuable we are. He just used that example. Yeah, they go out and they get their worms and they get their thing. They're going to eat. I take care of them. But how much more and how valuable are you? Man, that's amazing how he contrasts the two. Now, you got to make sure when we talk about Matthew 6, 33, and seek first the kingdom of God, it does not negate us from not having responsibility. Because the birds do go fly and look for those worms. That don't mean you sit home and ask God, God's going to bring it. God, you don't got, you got to work. Okay? You got to work. You got to show up to receive. If you don't show up, it's not going to happen. But he's saying something there, right there. Basically, I'm feeding. And it's a miracle. You see out here today in Texas, 
We have, we have grasshoppers, and I sit on my back porch, and the birds come in whack, and take pieces of them. And they fly off, and they share them, come back. And then you have um, the crickets. Now, they're glad the grasshoppers got picked up, but they got another dude from the left side. What gets him too? Bug control. You don't have to worry about bugs. You just look out here, out there in, in Texas. Now, and then, you know, our birds love to leave their deposits. <laughs> and I know how that, when they're on your car, after you wash it and wax it and it looks great, and you have a deposit from a bird, how many bird lovers I got then? And it says, how much worry is going to, can you grow? No. Worry does not lengthen our life. It shortens our life. Now, when we go through Matthew 6, you got to understand one thing. As a kingdom child, I own nothing. Money, possessions are amoral. They don't talk. They don't say, come to me, buy me, show up. No, we do that. That's why they know how to get us to buy stuff. But whenever you have your, comp- whenever you have your uh, language, watch. Don't get caught up by this. I need my money. It isn't your money. Come on now. As kingdom children, it's God's money. And here's the thing. He said, I will take care of you. Now, here's the question of the hour, and I'm telling you, how many, and I, I've dealt with that too. God, I can sing songs, I can jump, I can shout, but is God going to take care of me? I mean, been through that. Is God going to actually take care of my daily needs? Who don't run across that, butt, that uh, bump every other week? That's the question. Is God going to take care of me? Yes, he is. So you got to realize how valuable you are. If he's taking care of nature, he's going to take care of his crowning glory, which is you. Why would he shorten anything on you? Because you got to realize his need is different than our needs. He's not obligated to meet our needs. He's obligated to meet the need. Difference. God sees from heaven. He sees us. He's in us. He knows exactly, come on everybody, what you, what you need. How many times does it does not line up on what you really want? Everybody's here. And you miss what you already have because you want more. And how much is more? I keep saying that. It will kill you. Because you got to line up, when you get with God, you line up on exactly his need for what he wants you to have. Because he knows what you can handle. Ask some of the NFL superstars after they retire. 80, over 80% of them file bankruptcy after playing. Because what happened is they received things they could not handle. Their character could not take it. So it just, they spent it. Now they're broke. Well, same thing with us. God knows exactly what we need, what our character can handle. So if you're walking at that level, increase your character. You'll probably receive more. But really, that's all you need. How many move? I mean, got some military. How many love moving? 
Right. There you go, because you always come up after a couple years. What are we going to do with all this stuff? We're going to sell it. We have an idea. We won't take it with us. So you don't. So you go to the new place, and you got to move again. What are we going to do with all this stuff? Now, here's the greatest thing. If you're a single lamb, <laughs> show up and get it free. Because <laughs> I had stuff. My first duty assignment, I had stereo, I had TV. I couldn't, I, went to, I couldn't take that with me. And I had a board on a credit card. So I sold it for less than when I bought it. So I spent two years in Europe paying for stuff someone else got free. Because I had, I was cool. I had stuff. I had stuff. Second thing is, last thing on that point is, worry does not add to life, it kills it. It, it shortens his life. You don't, you don't grow with more stuff. You actually die from having too much of it. Come on, somebody. We're, our nation is amazing. We're the only place I've seen with, uh, with um, if you go to any other nation, they don't have a storage container. They call them mini Have you ever heard of a mini storage? What is a mini storage? <laughs> There's nothing mini about it when you open it up, is it? <laughs> I have one for how many years we have it? Three years? Because I was too lazy to clean it out. Yeah. My wife reminds I remind myself. I tell myself. I, you know, we paid $50 a, year, um, a month just because I was too lazy to clean it out. Mini storage. And then you go in your garage, you have another mini storage. <laughs> of all the stuff you don't like that you're going to give away that you're probably still paying for. And they can move on. Let me move on. <laughs> so I'm not going to meddle today. Second thing is, he cares about our lifestyle. We put... God's will and righteousness first in our lives, he'll take care of everything else. Remember, a person who's totally committed to the king has no need to worry. Know why? You see, in the scripture in 32 and 33, it says all these things. All these things. Then he puts us in those who worry in the kingdom. He puts us in line with those who are not in the kingdom, because that's what they're always asking for, and that's what they're always looking for. So that's what the pagans do. But you're, you're a different people. You don't do that. All these things. But then he gets into 33, and when we all quote, talking about his kingdom, his rule, his righteousness, way of living. He says all these things, all these things will be added, given to you. All these things. He says this. Our heavenly father knows. <laughs> Our heavenly father knows. I don't know about you. If I know he knows, I don't have to worry about knowing. He knows I need you. We need those things. He knows. That's what faith says. He knows. So I did something a few years ago. I stopped praying for those things. You know what I do? I go to Matthew 6. I start thanking him for those things. Because he already knows I need them. 
So he's already working that part of it. But I can thank him for just getting up this morning and having our what? Our daily bread. And some of us, if you're just there, that's okay. He knows. One thing I went through, and everyone goes through it when you change careers. I retired in 2001. Ms. Donna retired Air Force 2000. She went to ACU to finish her degree. It was time for me to get out. The Lord said, get out. I was in school. I told everybody I'm going to go preach the gospel. That's why I'm getting out. They're like, okay. So I get out. Everything in the house seems to blow up. Washing machine, all that stuff goes out. Every, not the washing machine, the dishwasher, everything was going out. Got a job at Sears. And God was really humbling me because, you know, the guys who I sell are going to get out and, and um, um, preach the gospel to. They saw me in Sears, so I was selling them tools. They said, well, I'm the gospel down. I'm, I'm heading that way, brother. I'm heading that way. You want to you ratchet? You want to ratchet? So I learned about society, about I haven't worked on the outside in so long, over 20-something years. I didn't know you wasn't supposed to work hard. I thought you were you know, supposed to take a lot of breaks every 15 minutes. I didn't know that. I got in trouble for that because I want to help people. You don't do that here. Okay. So it's Christmas time, and they said it's a seasonal job, but you might stay permanent if you work hard. So I figured I got it. So they gave me a Christmas card. That was nice. Then the next day, he gave me a pink card. That wasn't nice. I got cut from Sears. You can see I'm still having issues about it. (laughs) Elder Terry needs to pray for me when it's over. I got cut, man. And I'm in school. Miss Donna's in school. And the check says, this is how much is coming in. And the bill says, this is much more. We're living by faith. And I remember coming home, and I remember just on my knees, just praying to God, crying out. And then he gave me a revelation, which I had to figure out I was being selfish. I was praying for better finances that would lead to better stuff. He says, this is not what this is about. You pray to advance the kingdom. So I said, God, give me money and things so I can advance your kingdom. He said at that moment, I don't want you, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be a blessing. And it just broke me. And she knows it broke me. That was a touching point in my faith. That I had to, and we all have to go there, guys. We got to cross over in our faith about what this is all about. It's not about the houses. It's not about. It's about funding God's kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom of God, so I can be a blessed to be a blessing. So I, I did that. And I said, Lord, whatever it takes, I just want to fund your kingdom. That's what I wanted for the, 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 the covenant of Abraham upon us, and they will see that you're good through us. Five minutes later, the phone rang. It was a a phone call from the base chapel that I put in a job to be a a bookkeeper. I forgot all about it. So when I put that in, I said, okay, how much time? You you put this in, you named your own price. 
Um, I said, how much time do I have before I have to say yes or no? You got a day. Hang the phone up. Another phone call came from Hastings. The job you wanted, supervisor, from 4 o'clock to 12 o'clock. More money. I'm like, Lord, wow. And I remember going into the business. I said, if I can't do what I'm doing here on Sundays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays, I don't want that job. So at that point, I said, guys, I'll be the bookkeeper at the base for about a fraction of what they're going to pay me downtown. And God honored that and blessed that because I didn't know how to do books then. I learned how to do books now. That he knew I needed to know how to do that when I got here over 12 years ago. No, 16 years ago. I don't know, honey, how many years? When I was already on base, when I got, I thought I got fired from work. They gave me a better job and gave me a promotion. So I was handling all the money of the seven bomb wing, millions of dollars. It was only paper. That's all it was. You hit a switch and it hit there and you spin and everyone got mad at you. But <laughs> where's my pencils? I don't know. Anyway, it was a breakthrough because I went from thinking about my stuff, my money, to kingdom money and kingdom advancement. I had to break through it. And when I broke through, life seemed like it was coming the right order because I wasn't looking to be rich. I was looking to be a blessing, which takes me to my last point. My future became more secure than ever because I knew he cared about my future. And I love this psalm, Psalm 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. When, I looked, when you look at that psalm, it really means this in the, in the Hebrew. Roll over your whole course of life to me and then trust me to run it for you so you don't have to worry about those things that I'm called to worry about. You're called to fund the kingdom and advance the kingdom. I will take care of you. I will take care of your future. And it's just open. when I crossed over, my future was secure, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And I'm not talking about getting into the nuts and bolts of it. I just know I'm supposed to advance his kingdom, and wherever he shows me to go, I will go. And I, I didn't think about cars anymore. I didn't think about money anymore. I didn't think about anybody, only to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what he's talking about, seeking my kingdom first. My priorities, be a king's kid and, and honor the king so he will honor you and he will change the world. That just gave me a breakthrough. And that's what this series is about. It's not an app. That's my, I, I want this, and I'm not perfect. I want this to be my operating system. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll it over. Leave the guidance of your life entirely up to him. And when he says in 34, you can't, don't worry about tomorrow. Guys, we forgot how to live for the moment. The moment today is fun. Don't pick up tomorrow. Live today. Love today. You can't carry worries before they come. 
You can't carry them before they come. What's the, live for the day. Because if you're worried about tomorrow, you're in a bad place. Because he already cares for our tomorrow. He cares for our life, our lifestyle, and our future. Because he cares for us. And here's our breakthrough on a daily basis. Because of all the negative news. Not just in the newspaper, but even coming from us. It's been negative. When God is saying, this is your greatest hour. Now they're going to shift your uh, faith on the government and shift it to me. When I do that, what, is, what, do, I do? what do I do? You're saying, what do you want me to do, Pastor? This is what I want you to do. Your first thoughts should be prayers. Because prayer neutralizes worry. In fact, prayer abolishes worry and anxiety. It takes it out. When you go to Philippians chapter 4, another command from Paul, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And, come on, next one. I'll do it myself right here. And the peace of God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So you take your worries and turn them into prayers. And it says the peace of God, the peace of God comes upon you. And it's beyond comprehension. When everyone is just getting pulled in different directions, you're walking in the perfect will of God. And you're like, oh, well, so what? There's another day. I'm going to enjoy the day. What is that? The peace, when it says, will guard your heart, it's like someone taking an army and placing it over your heart. Worry is not getting in here. Stress is not getting in here. Anxiety is not getting in here. It is blocked off. It is t- you can't touch it by the Holy Spirit. That's what the peace of God does. It acts like a guard for your heart. So you're not pulled in two different directions. Life is, gonna, life is so good now. Because as a church, it's our greatest opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing else is working. Finance is not working. The government's not working. Only the gospel is working. And those who are the carrier of the gospel, kingdom people, kingdom people who has a king of all kings, lord of all lords, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess either today or tomorrow whenever he decides to come back. And this is what we're going to do this next week. Here's an action point. Next week we open up the church from 6.30 to 7.30. We're going to have some of that good music that Josh knows how to put on a CD. And we're just going to come seek God. And here's the thing, not requests, just to hear them again. Hear about our city. Praying for our youth. Praying for our college. Praying for our adults. You don't have to come the whole hour. Just show up. 6.30, we'll be open all week, Monday through Friday. Because it's time for the church to pray. It really is. The difference they were teaching us in survival school was not to survive. 
It was to thrive in a negative environment. God does not call us just to survive. And you're going to hear this in children's church. That's what we've been saying lately. He didn't call us to survive. He called us to thrive in a negative environment. Yeah. Is the environment negative? Yes. But our God is good. He's the author of life. He authored you. So don't let worry or the future. Who am I going to marry? Who is that? Where am I going to get a job? Hey, worry about just today. Do the right things today so you'll have a glorious tomorrow. When we picked this over six months ago, we had no idea, well, God did, (laughs) that all this was going to take place in the world today. And we're all suffering from it because it touches everybody. And we're saying, God, what are you doing? He says, I'm sure on my glory. Didn't you pray for change? (laughs) Didn't we all pray for change? He's bringing it. He really is. He's bringing it. But he's preserving each and every one of us who call Jesus Christ Lord. You can't say that I am without. If you're here breathing, you got clothes on, you're better than 90% in the world. That's why we're the richest country in the world, even though we think we're broke. We're not broke. We're stingy. That's all it is. And we don't get along. We get along like anybody else. Remember how your mom make you? Sit down with her and make her get along. You're going to like your sister and brother before you leave this house, or I will take you out. That's why I'm praying. Will the little kids stop fighting and get along? How about you? I was walking around in it. I was telling the intercessors, almost last week was like, oh, my gosh, if I hear another negative thing from somebody, I was in a negative dive. And I'm like, how do you pull out the brakes on this thing? I had to go home and close it off. And I was like Elijah, and my wife made me the greatest meal. (laughs) And she said, what are you doing here? Get back in there. Because I feel what a lot of people feel, and I feel for you. But I want us to realize we don't have to feel that. We don't have to feel that. You're a king's kid. We have a king. When we talk about Matthew the whole week, the whole month, Talking about kingdom. This is what kingdom people do. Kingdom people thrive, not just survive. Religion survives. But we're talking about seeking God, not just for the stuff, but thanking him for the stuff I got. (laughs) Thank you. I have the air to breathe just to get up this morning. All those things that we're all sitting here right now, your mind's rushing. He already knows it. So let's walk in a forward motion, not a past motion. Ms. Dean, I want you to give the particulars. We're going to close in.